Welcome in to the Sunday Belt Football Show. Christian Gokel alongside Robbie Ross as we are interrupting your NFL programming for the important conversation uh, as we're breaking down Sunbelt football and what was a interesting week for Robbie because I think it more so than anything after the crazy out-of-conference schedule to start the season where Sunbelt just went on a rampage through the top 10, it kind of brought you back to the reality that the Sun Belt is a cannibalistic league. Usually the talent's pretty even around the league. And on Saturday, we saw that a bunch of top teams going down and some teams maybe that you thought were going to struggle have really succeeded at the beginning of the year. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, we saw a lot of non-conference action. Of course, the the big one was uh, – two weeks ago now when Georgia Southern beat Nebraska and Marshall beat uh, Virginia Tech and uh, App State beat Texas A&M. And so everybody was like, fun belt, fun belt, fun belt. But then last week it was kind of Conference USA, Conference USA, Conference USA with Birmingham beating Georgia Southern and Marshall falling to uh, a a Conference USA team as well. So uh, these group of fives, uh, of course, we're focusing on the Sun Belt, but – Group of fives don't need to be taken lightly. And I think finally, folks across the country, when it comes to the group of five, the power five, that is, is really starting to, to take a look. Yeah. And just, I know this week for the Sun Belt started on Thursday, but is there a bigger town in college football this season than Boone? I mean, you have college game day heading there. They beat Texas A&M. You had the, what, 40 points they scored in the fourth quarter against North Carolina. Then you have the Hail Mary last week to beat Troy. And then this past week, App State, they can't let their fans just have a week, right? Just to breathe. They go in and they get beat by James Madison after App State holds a 28-3 to lead. So, I mean, App State is just the incarnation of what makes college football beautiful. It really is. Um, You know, in App State... As you mentioned, should have beat North Carolina if, the, if they'd have thrown a little bit more precise uh, two-point play in any of the overtimes in the, in the end of the game in the fourth quarter. And uh, and then we all know what happened with game day. I think probably – I know they don't take attendance for that, but probably the most attended game day experience that ESPN has had, uh, it paled in comparison – Tennessee paled in comparison this week. Uh, my wife and I were watching, she's like, oh, my God, nobody showed up for Tennessee – uh, in comparison to app. Um, and then what they did, how they won that game, which, uh, I was talking to somebody on, I think Sunday night last week. And, uh, I was like the, 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 the value of what happened in Boone last Saturday with game day and with winning at the buzzer and being the number one top 10 play on sports center all week long, the value is, is undetermined right now and is, and is infinity because that value continues to grow this fall, next fall, next spring, next summer when applications roll in and uh, people are looking for places for their kids now in, in freshmen and juniors and, and sophomores in high school to go to college. Uh, so that number will grow as the years go on and how valuable that was last Saturday. And then you turn the page this Saturday and they get up 28 to 3, look out. The number, 28 the to number. 3, uh, the number. And and then they kind of just, as we were talking before we went on, kind of flipped the switch and said, okay, we got this. This FB, this FCS team coming in here, James Madison, they can't, you know, you know, 28-3, we're going to coast. We're going to be 2-0 in the league. And, oh, by the way, somebody forgot to tell the Dukes. And they scored, um, what, 28-3, to ended up winning 32-28, 
29 unanswered. Yeah, 29 unanswered points to then then move into uh, the driver's seat in the East right now so far. And really, uh, App State's lucky to be one and one in the East. Yeah, they're uh, just a knockdown Hail Mary away from being 0-2 in Sunbelt play. Uh, And let's start with the Dukes there because you mentioned it. Coming over from FCS, transitioning uh, to FBS, transitioning to the Sunbelt, a lot of people thought, okay, interesting, makes sense. Sunbelt staying regional. But more than that, they're a really good football program, and they have the infrastructure uh, booster-wise, facility-wise to really push to be at the top of the Sunbelt and be a premier G5 team. I mean – yeah, they beat App State yesterday, but before that, they clobbered Middle Tennessee State. I think that one was maybe 55-7 to seven, yeah. uh, in the opening week of the season, and then we see what Middle Tennessee State just went down and did to Miami. So the Dukes aren't a team to be trifled with, and if anything, it, it stinks because if it wasn't for an NCAA rule, they might be playing for a Sunbelt title at the end of the year. Well, I think they can play for the Sunbelt Championship. They can't go to a bowl game. I think. Is it just is it the NCAA postseason, or they keep it out of the Sun Belt? I think they can play for that. It's kind of like the Georgia Southern rule in fourteen, where they won the league but couldn't go to a bowl. Yeah, I, I got think. the I got the Savannah State helmet behind me. I know when they moved to the SEAC for the first year, they couldn't do it. But I wonder if it's different if you're going down versus going up. Either way, can't go to a bowl game this yeah. year. But uh, I, I, may that, be, I may not be right. I may yeah. not be right. It's one of the two. They can either go yeah. to a bowl. And not win the league, or they can win the league and not go to bowl. But uh, regardless, with James Madison moving in, that is now 13, if my math is correct, FCS championships that are in the Sunbelt East. Yeah. Uh, six by Georgia Southern, three by App, two by Marshall, and two by James Madison. And Old Dominion, you know, they did not – I mean, Old Dominion wasn't in the FCS very long because they haven't been around that long. Georgia State, again – not in the FCS very long because they weren't allowed around that long, but they've been to five bowl games and, uh, and, 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 or three bowl games and five winning seasons uh, since they've moved up. So the East, and I compared it week one and then I compared it two weeks ago, is the SEC West of the group of five. And if not the best group of five conference, uh, the Sun Belt it, division in college football, the second best division in college football overall behind the SEC West. Yeah, you got to imagine some of the Sunbelt teams when James Madison and Marshall joined, we're kind of hoping they would do the SEC math where it's like, <laughs> yeah, I know Auburn's really closer, but we're going to put Missouri uh, in the East yeah. just for the competitive balance of it. But no, like you said, just a murderer's row. There is, a, I think, a West team that's surprising, but I want to stay in the East, go back to Thursday uh, where mm-hmm. Coastal Carolina goes into Atlanta, handles business against Georgia State. Georgia State might be the best winless team in the country. I mean, when oh, they ever when they put that schedule together, yeah. they had to know that this was a possibility, right? You start the season at South Carolina, and then you welcome in North Carolina, then you welcome in Charlotte, and I think that's when they thought they could get the win. Mm-hmm. And you aren't able to do that, lose that one by one point, and then Coastal Carolina comes to town to start Sunbelt play. So I, I think for Sean – Elliot, this had to be in his mind that, hey, there's a distinct possibility we start 0-4, but not a team that we should bury yet. No, not yet. And I think probably uh, going in, you know, you think with that gauntlet, of course. uh, It doesn't get any easier this week because they play Army. 
No, it doesn't. Yeah. It does on the road. And uh, no coach is going to say, oh, well, we'll be lucky to be one in three. Of course, they're going to want to win all of them. But I think as, from a fan's perspective looking in, they were going to be lucky to be one in three or, or happy with being one in three. Um, but I think that in Atlanta, they thought that they were going to be able to compete with Coastal, uh, especially, uh, you know, and, and that South Carolina game a little skewed too punt blocked for touchdown for South Carolina um, is 14 points right there. You flip that's a seven-point game late, and who knows what happens uh, against them. And then North Carolina, they probably didn't want to uh, have the same type of repeat performance they had the week before against App and kind of took out some frustrations against Georgia State a little bit. Um, But then the Charlotte game is probably one that Sean Elliott's going to say, I don't know how that – got away from us. Maybe they just kind of relax a little bit thinking, oh, whew, we're done with the directional Carolinas for at least a week before we jump back into another one uh, with it being coastal. But um, they just let that kind of slip up on them. Um, but, you know, and then coastal, they just – Georgia State just didn't tackle very well Thursday night. Yeah. And uh, that's something that Georgia Southern, if we look ahead real quick, is going to have to really get better about for this coming Saturday when they go to Conway is – tackling against Coastal Carolina because they broke a lot of arm tackles and ran the ball really well against the Panthers uh, to win that one in Atlanta. And now Coastal, a leg up in the East. Of course, Georgia State's not out of it by any stretch of the imagination because I don't think anybody uh, is going to go to the Sunbelt Conference Championship game with zero losses in league play on either division. So, I mean, the the conference races, you're not going to be out of it with one loss. Yeah, Coastal Carolina, one of the unbeatens remaining, along with James Madison inside the Sun Belt. Why doesn't Grayson McCall get the same kind of love that uh, Desmond Ritter did last year? I mean, the dude's been in college football for a long time, has really done nothing but win. I mean, nothing but 10 win seasons uh, for Coastal since he's been there, elected to come back uh, this year for his senior season under Jamie Chadwell up there. And I know it's not the 400-yard games through the air, but what is it about his game that it just doesn't feel like people are – giving him the respect I think he deserves. Well, and this is kind of my theory. And, you know, Cincinnati is a big basketball school. And Cincinnati has been on the map a long time for basketball. Coastal Carolina, not really a basketball school, just up from FCS a number of years ago, not very uh, old in terms of FBS school. And I think that's where still some of the Sunbelt teams get slided in the national picture. When you have a big basketball school like UConn, a lot of people talk about UConn football back when uh, when they were winning more than one game or two games a year because they were on the map for basketball. Uh, and I think that is why Cincinnati and, and plus Cincinnati has had high profile coaches move on to uh, bigger jobs. So I think it's just a byproduct of the national media. It's nothing against Grayson McCall because he's a fantastic player and has won all the time, all the years that he has been at Coastal Carolina and continues to and has still one more year somehow, amazingly. It seems like he's been there forever. Yeah. Um, but I just think that it's just a byproduct. It's nothing against Grayson McCall. It's a byproduct of the national media. And be that as it may, the Sun Belt is definitely, I think, changing that on a weekly basis going forward and will continue to as the Sun Belt moves into the limelight of the group of five school uh, conferences and these other conferences continue to take steps back, especially when the big conferences go in and grab the more well-known schools like a Cincinnati to yeah. play in the Big 12 and move on and, and bigger, bigger conferences like that.
All right, let's move down uh, the schedule a little bit. A team that I don't know that a lot of people expected to be 3-1. and one. I actually think there's a couple of those. But the the bigger surprise to me, uh, the team that you're the voice for there at Paulson Stadium, the Georgia Southern Eagles, I think maybe in a Georgia Southern fan's wildest dreams, they could have said, hey, we're going to start the season 3-1. and one. Nobody could have predicted this was the way they were going to do it, right? Yeah. Uh, you Obviously, everyone knows about the upset to Nebraska, and then you run into a really, really good UAB team that I don't know gets the credit that they deserve and just an awesome storyline in college football because they wanted to shut that program down. Uh, but yeah. you come back and you beat a Ball State team that's been competitive in years past, struggling a little bit this year, but handled business. I don't know that a lot of people thought Georgia Southern was going to be handling business in 2022, right? This was just supposed to be a, listen, house money kind of year, whatever you can do, even if, if we're losing games 50 to 30, at least is entertaining, right? No, yeah. I mean, Georgia Southern came in and said, Clay Hilton said, listen, I got kind of a, six, seven months jumpstart on what a lot of other coaches get just because of how early he was fired in the process. And I think that's paid dividends early for the Eagles. Yeah. And he wants to win. And he wants to win now. And uh, last night was a struggle uh, in Statesboro. Um, Georgia Southern had to score two touchdowns in the fourth quarter to win. Going into the fourth quarter, trailing 23-20. Uh, had to score two fourth quarter touchdowns. One, the last one on an absolutely beautiful pass play from uh, Van Treese <clears throat> uh, to over the top. I mean, just sold the fake over the top. Uh, Amari Jones was wide open uh, for a 47 yard touchdown pass to, pass to win 34 uh, 23 to kind of cap it. Uh, JJ McAfee had a nice touchdown catch and run after the play for to take the lead in the fourth quarter. Uh, McAfee can or uh, Kyle Van Trese continues and he's going to be setting records all year long. And if he hasn't already, he, you know, <clears throat> 26 of 39, throwing the ball 39 times for 310 and two touchdowns, no interceptions, no turnovers. Yeah. Um, but defensively, going to have to work on tackling a little bit more as we saw against Birmingham. Um, and then. The, the, like you said, being three and one, I think some Eagle fans thought that three and one was doable, but I don't think they thought that the Nebraska win would be one of the three. I, I think maybe they thought, okay, we'd get Morgan State, then, okay, hopefully play well at Nebraska and keep it close and then go and win at Birmingham and, and Ball State before we go to Coastal. And, and then uh, Georgia State, two, three, three straight weeks to start the Sun Belt. Not going to be very easy for the Eagles. Go to Coastal. Go to Georgia State in the rivalry game, and and then or the rivalry that's not a rivalry. Whoever you talk to, game, um, and then back home for James Madison on the fifteenth of October. Uh, so it's good to get to three and one. But I think Clay, Clay Helton knows that uh, there's still a mountain to climb. But he's looking to win right now and um, thinks they can and knows they can. And I think so too. And with Van Treese at the at the helm. The offense looks so different. Jalen White, Gerald Green, O.J. Arnold, a freshman from Brooks County over near Valdosta, who's coming off a state championship last year for Brooks County. He is fantastic and I think is going to be a lot of fun to watch uh, going forward. But mixing in the run a little bit more than people think, including the opponents as well. I think Nebraska didn't expect Georgia Southern to come in and run the ball as much as they did. And I think that was the difference in that game. And last night, the run was there at times, uh, but Van Treese was a lot more accurate last night than he was in Birmingham, and that was the difference. Yeah, and looking at this Georgia Southern team, I know a lot of fans, their hearts still wrapped up in the option, and for good reason, right? You won so many championships, and it's yeah. it's kind of like the starter home, right? It, it's the first 
offense you ever had at your school and it's what you ran and were amazingly successful for you had the people like adrian peterson that played for you in that just so so many fond memories and i do think you can still win at a high level with it but what the offense that clay helton has brought in changes is you're never out of a football game like you said you score you score 14 points in the fourth quarter both of them through the air so as you're sitting on three wins now another three isn't out of the question at all if you're Georgia Southern anything I think at this point in the year you're going it'd be a disappointment if we don't go to a bowl game and I think the offense that they brought in and installed gives you that chance in every game you play yeah and and you know it keeps people uh, on it like I said you still have the stable of running backs with Jalen White and Gerald Green and and OJ Arnold that if you want to go to a thumb form of running the football first and foremost, you have the ability to do so. The linemen are still there from last year that were formed on a run-based offense. The hard part is teaching them how to pass block as many times as they have to, which they've done a good job. Van Trees has not been sacked very often. He ran, he runs the ball surprisingly uh, well at times uh, when you're least expecting it, a la Nebraska when they won that ball game. And last night, he picked up a very important first down with his legs uh, late in the fourth quarter to uh, extend that drive that capped the, the last touchdown before he threw to Amari Jones. Uh, so the run game can be there when they need it. But I think that that new passing game level um, is something that the Sun Belt's going to have to watch um, when they're preparing for Georgia Southern. And yes, I agree with you. I think at least before the NCAA changed the rules a little bit, uh, that have got the Citadel and Kennesaw state and Wofford a little bit upset, uh, the triple option teams. But I do think in the Sunbelt level, you can win with a triple option, but last couple of years, Georgia Southern had gotten away from that true triple option type offense. And the type of option they were running last year was not working. Uh, but I do think, and this is a whole other topic for a whole other time, that the true triple option, as Paul Johnson and Eric Russell wanted to, to be and built it to be, could be successful at the Sun Belt level. Yeah, I think Georgia Tech fans would probably take it right now uh, if they yes. had a chance to at a redo. Uh, you have Arkansas State loses 26-29 to to Old Dominion. Uh, Southern Miss 27-24 to over Tulane. Texas State shuts out Houston Christian. 34 to nothing but another one of the surprising results and maybe it shouldn't be just because of the injuries they're dealing with troy uh rebounds off the hail mary loss and they beat marshall 16 to 7 uh hold marshall's quarterback uh columbia to under 50 yards passing on the day and it's a it's a defense for troy that's solid but in your mind is this a team that can push to be one of the teams to represent the sun belt in the title game you know, that's another, you know, conversely, we talked about app could be 0 and 2. Yeah. Troy could be 2 and 0 really easily and um, really kind of a reverse of roles. They were in control of that game last week in Boone pretty much the entire time until the end. App came roaring back, kind of like James Madison did. Um, I. <sighs> I'm not sold on Troy winning the West quite yet. Well, I, just, I just don't know who else in the West is going to push him right now. Yeah, I mean, Monroe, they're one of I was about to say, Bowden Monroe, maybe? Yeah, I mean, you know, Arkansas State, I think, I thought would be able to beat Old Dominion. But uh, Old Dominion's good. I mean, Old Dominion pushed Virginia last week. Uh, of course, they beat Virginia Tech. Yeah. Um, Which I don't Old know how Dominion, big of a deal that is to beat Virginia Tech well, right now, but – Numbers wise, you know, yeah, exactly. Uh, but they did push Virginia, um, and then to go on the, uh, no, they had them at home against Arkansas State. Um, 
I thought that Arkansas State would maybe take that one, but they, you know, credit to Old Dominion for doing so. But again, I don't know. I mean, Troy could be the leader in the clubhouse right now um, in the West because Louisiana, obviously, we, we haven't talked about that, but Monroe got that one in an upset big time, uh, scoring to win late. Um, South Alabama beat Louisiana Tech. That's a good that's the That's the team I want to talk about because right yeah. now, South Alabama, uh, Kane Womack has the Jaguars sitting three and one on the season right now. And if you remember to last week, they had UCLA on the ropes. Oh, yeah, they should have won. Was, yeah, and it was, they called that bizarre fake field goal instead of just kicking it. And yeah. they, they, they win that football game. So this is a team that's maybe, I think if you ask Womack, a bad play call away from potentially being four and O and starting Sunbelt play, but also a team that I think is really good. They're three and one right now. Uh, their quarterback there, uh, Bradley Carter, Bradley's got a thousand yards passing uh, already on the season. I believe he has 10 touchdowns as well. So, I mean, South Alabama, Womack's been there since 2020. Now, I think if there was a season where you're really going to start seeing that pay dividends, it's now because not only uh, is what you have, which is a coach has been there for a little while now, brought in some recruits, brought in some transfers, but on the flip side of it is the teams that have been the power on your side are kind of struggling a little bit, right? Louisiana loses their coach uh, and a couple of their best players uh, to the transfer portal. Of course, Billy Napier uh, down at Florida now, but Louisiana is going through it a little bit, right? Troy kind of struggling to find their footing right now. Monroe's Monroe. Texas State's not going to push you. So, I mean, if it, there was a year for South Alabama to make that run, I think it might be now. Yeah, one one thing that we got to talk about, <clears throat> we haven't mentioned yet, Southern Miss, I think, is the outlier in that, uh, that they could really make some noise. Uh, now that they got their first win over Tulane and upset yesterday, they could make some noise in the West. But South Alabama, I think, is the, is the leader right now. And Troy, uh, if Troy doesn't falter uh, to App State, you know, I think it's going to be a South Alabama-Troy battle because, again, like you said, Louisiana has lost a lot. Um, morale wise, I think with Billy Napier and those transfers leaving, uh, Monroe, I, good win, but I mean, I don't think that they're going to cat- that's going to catapult them to the upper echelon of no. the West yet. Uh, they got a long way to go, but they got the, you know, they got the coach staff that could do it, uh, or at least the head coach that could do it anyway, or knows how to do <laughs> it. You, if you got a bowden, you're, you're doing okay. That's right. That's right. And, and Butch Jones, his Arkansas State tenure has not started off as quickly no, as been, I think. It's been rough. Yeah, anybody thought, and they wanted, obviously. But um, keep an eye on Southern Miss. I know that they just got their first win, but they did upset Tulane. Tulane, that's a good win over Tulane yesterday. Anything else from Week Four standing out to you? <sighs> no, not really. I mean, Georgia State. Uh, Georgia State. Being 0-4, I think, is is kind of the surprise. Um, the Old Dominion win was a good win, and then the James Madison beating App. Um, and Marshall struggling as they are after they pulled their upset. Two week, they've struggled two weeks in a row. Um, but still, they're going to they're gonna have a, a say in things in the East. Uh, the East, I think, is, is literally going to be a toss-up. I mean, it could go either way, and you could see somebody win the East with, with three losses. No, no doubt. Uh, looking ahead to the best game of week five, I think pretty clearly Georgia Southern sitting at three and one heading up 
to Myrtle Beach to take on the undefeated Coastal Carolina Chanticleers. This is a game that in years past has been closer than a lot of people thought. Yeah. Georgia Southern has given Coastal Carolina a run for their money. And yeah, I know a new coach there now uh, in Clay Helton for Georgia Southern. But I think if anything, that probably tightens the race even a little bit more because as we mentioned earlier, you have that offense that can keep you in the game. Yeah, there was the Mo Bamba game a couple years ago, and then there was the triple overtime game in the rain yep. two years ago. And, um, uh, well, no, yeah, two years ago. And then, or was that last? No, yeah, three years ago was the Mo Bamba triple overtime game. And then two years ago, um, Shy Wirtz kept it close in Conway uh, before falling late last year. It was what it was, and Coastal got a, a pretty solid win there. But I think that um, this whole mentality uh, of this whole new staff, it's a different feel uh, in Statesboro than it has been the last four years. Uh, it's more businesslike. Um, I've talked to a couple players, and they say it's a totally different situation, more businesslike, uh, more disciplined, and you see that on the field as well. Uh, the, the amount of less penalties for Georgia Southern yep. and, and going on the road. It's a business trip. They've been on two business trips. Now they won one and didn't play their best at Birmingham. Although Birmingham was a very good football team, better than Nebraska, I, I think. Um, but I think they learned from that and they learned from this past week against ball state that, um, you know, you're going to have to play football for 60 minutes to win in this league. And they're going to have to, have a good week of practice. They're going to have to tackle a lot better than they did the first three weeks, the first four weeks of the season because Coastal is going to want to run the ball and run it physically. And But I think Georgia Southern can get out of there with a win. Uh, 10-point underdogs opening up. I like the Eagles that's, and the that's, points. I was about to say, that seems like a big spread to me. Uh, yeah. What was the biggest difference between their win at Nebraska and their loss at UAB? I think really, and nothing to take away from him because he's been fantastic, but I think Kyle Van Treese's accuracy uh, against Birmingham was just not there as, as much as it was the week before at Nebraska. Uh, and then the physicality, I think, uh, of, of Birmingham too. Uh, I, of course, I can't speak for the coaching staff, can't speak yeah. for the players, but I think uh, going in, in your mind, you're, my, you're, you're in my mind, we're thinking, okay, Nebraska's going to be, oh my God, corn-fed, huge, physical, going to beat us up. That wasn't the case, and then they go into Birmingham. Okay, well, whew, maybe we take a little step back and be a little bit relaxed a little bit, but Birmingham hit them in the mouth uh, physically and um, on the scoreboard. So I think maybe that was the difference. Uh, and then there were a lot more physical yesterday, not as many broken tackles, but Ball State's going to be good. Ball State's going to win some games in the MAC. Um, and, and they ran the football well. They had a good quarterback, and they're going to play good football in the MAC. But you know, I think Georgia Southern – Going on the road the next two weeks, uh, Clay Helton is probably going to say, hey, look, guys, okay, this is it. These these first two, we got to at least come out with a split, if not sweep. Yeah, and I think right now, class of the Sun Belt, probably Coastal Carolina. But after that, I, I think it's a really big question mark. App State has struggled. Marshall has struggled. But I want to stay on Georgia Southern for another second. I know people ask the Sun Belt show. It's not the Georgia Southern show. But I think the point you mentioned there with Nebraska, where you think, okay, they're a Power 5 team. They're Nebraska. They're going to be bigger, more physical, going to be able to push Georgia Southern around. Nebraska, Georgia, Alabama, Tennessee, Florida, Ohio State, when they want big dudes and they need guys to play on their line of scrimmage, you know where they go? South Georgia. Yeah. You know where Georgia exactly. Southern's located? 
South Georgia. I, I mean, That's those right. guys got to fly in to get these folks, and Georgia Southern's just surrounded by them. So if there's anything I think it, it's that Georgia Southern's going to be, it's not going to be pushed around. I, I, they're always going to be able to have athletes. They're always going to be able to have big dudes across the line of scrimmage. And with Clay Helton still living off that buyout money from USC, Georgia Southern's not having to pay him an exorbitant salary right now, and it's the way he wanted it because he wanted to be able to pay – really high quality like a Brian Ellis uh, mm. to come in and be an offensive coordinator and to upgrade the facilities. So if there's a program right now that you need to watch out for and is already exceeding expectations, not to be homerish here, I know I got the, the Georgia Southern helmet above my shoulder, but Georgia Southern's got a lot of good things going for it. Yeah, and the uh, indoor facility is being built. I think they laid the foundation. I didn't I looked over the over the, the left of my seat to see that they're done pushing dirt and they're laying foundation. That's going to be fantastic. Finished next summer, and we'll do nothing but help this program. Um, but yeah, I mean the athletes are there. A lot of recruits there yesterday. More recruits than I remember being there in years past. So yeah, there's excitement around the program, and and it only gets more exciting with more wins that you notch in your belt. And a win in Conway Saturday afternoon for the Eagles will go a long way. Uh, to not only solidifying bowl eligibility later on this year, but also going forward uh, in the Clay Helton era in year two and three and hopefully beyond that. Yeah, game day went to the wrong Carolina game. They, they went to Clemson, NC State. You got to head on down to Myrtle Beach, go to Conway <laughs> for Georgia Southern against Coastal Carolina. Uh I think uniform of the week last week to me was South Alabama. I don't know if you got a chance to see their helmet, but those things were outstanding. No. The question I I'll have for you up. for this coming week is, does Georgia Southern stick with the blue pants? I know there's not many teams around college football where the fans want you to be more traditional than a Georgia Southern. Are we stick with the blue pants or are they going to go white? I th- it's hard to beat those all-white unis with that blue hat. Um, and they, the, the blue, the blue pants served them well in Nebraska. Didn't yeah. serve them then so maybe, well in Birmingham. Maybe retire think, them after that. Yeah. I, I think you, I think we'll see all white in Conway. Oh, the, that Navy and the teal field. It, it's not going to mix. Oh, for Robbie Ross, I am Christian Gokel. If you want to listen to this uh, in a podcast form, if you miss any of it, you can check out Southern Pigskin on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. You can also watch it in its entirety on YouTube. If you want to read more about uh, the Sun Belt and everything we got going on, head to southernpigskin.com. Robbie, I appreciate it, brother. I'll catch up with you next Sunday. All right. Thanks.